Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. verse 1 says, praise the Lord in his sanctuary. And that's what we're going to do here. We praise him today. Let's worship. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all much for being here today. It's great to see you and to be worshiping with you. Thank you so much for being here today. Would you look inside of your bulletin? There is a great connection card. I'm going to invite you to take that out online. There's going to be a connect link in the chat window there that you can find. That's our digital connection card as well. But I want to uh, ask you to go ahead and begin filling out that card today. This is our way of being able to communicate with each other. You can ask questions, leave comments, your prayer request on that card as well. Um, But this is simply that line of communication that we can have because I can't come out and talk to each of you, right? Uh, I might miss somebody. 
so, but this is a great way that we can make that connection together, whether in person or online. Also, if you are a first-time guest, you can simply take out your mobile phone and you can text the word hello to 717-872-5679. You'll get a text from us. Click on that link that you get and fill out that information there. And that just opens, again, that line of communication, but we can do it through texting. And so quickly can answer your questions or provide information for you to see if Peckway Church is the place for you. And we would love to have you. We're so glad that you're here. And so we would love to answer any of those things for you. Well, we have started a new sermon series last week, and uh, if you're in a small group, you, you've uh, been talking about love uh, all week. You've read your devotionals, maybe, uh, and, and seen how God has called us to love one another and to love others. Uh, and so, you know, as we're doing that, today we're going to come to the message that's talking about reaching out, telling other people about our experience, about our journey with Jesus. And so, um, you know, we all have a story story to tell. So let's watch this video together and then we'll talk some more. Our stories are a collection of moments tucked away deep inside our hearts and minds. Moments from the past. For some of us, what happened in the past can limit our present or cloud the future. We hear a voice from within, a voice that says you are damaged goods. You are disqualified, weak. What this world sees as broken, Jesus sees as beautiful. Where culture sees defeat, Jesus sees potential. What society labels as rejected, Jesus offers redemption. The Bible tells us that Jesus uses the weak to shame the strong and the foolish to shame the wise. When we're at our weakest, that's the very place we can tap into the strength of God. It's in this new perspective that we realize our past doesn't have to define us any longer because we are the community of those who couldn't make the cut, the gathering of those not good enough. So may your grief bring about His goodness. May your pain bring out trust in His promises. The past that brought us shame can find renewal in one name, Jesus. That's just one of the things we're going to talk about today, our story, as we listen to today's message and see how we can reach others through the things that God is asking of us to do, like pray for other people. But your story is important. Don't think that there's not anything important about your story. That's how we reach others, how Jesus has made a difference in our hearts and lives. I'm going to invite you to stand with me once again as we sing a song about our story together this morning. Story is to tell of him. 
story to tell of a savior whose love is never ending, who gave us justice in place of condemnation. And his story is our story, and it doesn't change. He is so faithful, so dependable. So let's worship him through that. Just as the waves, they are stilled at the mention of his name. They'll say, my God is still the same. Ask the walls if they still fall at the mighty sound of praise. They'll say, my God is still the same. When did he break his promise? When did his kindness fail? Never has, never will. My God is still the same. Mercy change never has, never will. My God is still the same. Just ask the words, let's sing it. Just ask the words. You prayed in desperation if they're heard. They'll say, My God is still the same. Ask the grave if it's strong enough to keep hope in its chains. It'll say, God is still the same. Yeah. When did he break his promise? When did his kindness fail? Never has, never will. My God is still the same. See change never has, never will. My God is still the same. Yeah, not once did he ever stop moving. Not once has he ever let go. Not once did he ever stop proving our God is in control. Not once did he ever stop moving. Not once did he ever let go. Not once did he ever stop proving our God is in Change never has, 
still the same. Aren't you glad that he is still the same? I'm thankful for his amazing grace today and to every day. Let's worship him for that. Father, we thank you that we can stand on your mercy today, on your grace, on your unfailing love, that you are forever mine and I am forever yours. Lord, we thank you for our stories today, whatever they entail. If they're stories of 
good things, stories of bad things, whatever it is, Father. But those are our testimonies, our stories, God, of grace, of mercy, and of unfailing love. And so today, as we look into your word, as we talk about how we can partner with you, Lord, to let others know of these things in our hearts and lives, God, would you open our hearts and minds to hear those things today? But Lord, I think of those who might still be struggling with their stories. God, they don't know you. They don't know your goodness, your mercy, and your love. I pray that today would be that day, just as we started off with the video this morning, that this Sunday could be your Sunday. So Lord, I pray today, through your grace, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would move mightily in this place today. And I pray in essence in your name, Jesus. Amen. You could be seated. Well, good morning, and as you settle in, I just want to say, as I always do, and always from my heart, thank you, Scott, thank you, tech team, thank you, worship team, for that powerful reminder that all of us, all of us, if we're a follower of Jesus, have not only a story to tell, but a powerful story to tell. And I'll just be honest with you, in preparation for this 40 days, really, Pastor Chris and I made the decision back in the summer to go in this direction, to do this 40-day campaign, and I'll be honest with you, from that time, I've been looking forward to this message, this message about reaching others, because I don't know about you, but I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I've told you this before, that even 40 years later, folks, I've never forgot what it's like to be lost. I've never forgotten what God brought me from, saved me from, and what He's done in my life, and for that reason, I am just compelled on a daily basis it's just the way God's wired me and shaped me to help other people put themselves in a place, to help people get in a place where God could do for them what he did for me. And I hope that's your heart and your passion as well, because we really do have an incredible story to tell. You know, I've shared with you before that if we had the cure for cancer, we would shout it from the streets, right? But the reality is we have a far greater news to share, and people need to hear it. The hopelessness, the loneliness that we talk about, we see on a daily basis on the news, really has one answer. And it's not a political answer, it's not a social answer, it, it's a spiritual answer. And that spiritual answer is Jesus. So if you're joining us for the very first time for this series, welcome, whether here or online. But maybe even if you've been here, let me just real quickly recap what we're doing and why. Because in this 40-day campaign, we're really focusing on two things. This 40 Days community really has two primary focus. The first is for you and I to deepen our love and our sense of community here in our church family. That's the first purpose. But the second purpose, equally important, folks, is that we reach out in our community with love to share with them the good news that we just sang about, that, that incredible, amazing grace that Jesus makes available to us. And the reason we're doing this, the reason we're, we're focusing on those two things, the reason we're in this campaign, folks, is because, as we said last week, God has given us a mission to fulfill five purposes. Five purposes. But here's the thing. You and I cannot do it on our own. We have to do it in community. And with that said, let me just hit pause real quick and remind you, maybe share with you for the first time, what those first five purposes are. The first is membership. Membership in the body, membership in the body of Christ, and with a local body of believers. That's the first purpose. The second purpose is maturity, to grow in Christ, to mature in Christ. The third purpose is ministry, to use that shape, to use the gifts and talents and abilities and personalities and experience God has given us to do ministry. And what cues it all up is home plate, what we might call the fourth base, and that is magnification. In other words, worship. We take our eyes off ourselves, off our problems, and we put them on God. And having, as Isaiah did, see God and see ourselves, folks, suddenly we find ourselves to go out in mission, which is home base, to go out in a mission and share the good news that God has made available to us through Jesus. And if you were here for the very first 40-day campaign, then you remember, perhaps you remember, that Kevin Myers told us in the home run life that the reality is, folks, we don't score till we go all the way around the bases. And, and so we do community and membership and maturity and ministry and magnification and worship for the purpose of mission. That's why we're here. That's what those, those other bases support and move us forward. But again, we cannot do it alone. We have to do it 
together. Take a look at what Paul said there in the first verse on your outline. Paul said it like this to the Philippian Christians. He said, you are standing together side by side, underline this, with one strong purpose. And what's the purpose? To tell the good news. And earlier in that same letter, in that same chapter, Paul literally begins the letter by saying this, you have been my partners, underline that, you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. And so what we're going to do today, last week we looked at, folks, why we need each other, why that's so important. Well, today we're going to look at how together we can fulfill that mission, how together we can partner for that one strong purpose, the purpose of telling and sharing with others the good news. And let me just tell you right up front, the first step to doing that, and this isn't one of the five points or seven points you're going to fill out, but the first step, if we're ever going to do that, is as believers, it's absolutely crucial that we make the choice to intentionally and deeply love those who are not already a part of the church, who don't already have a relationship with Jesus. Without that love, without the compassion, folks, we just simply will never be about the mission. Not with the kind of intentionality, not kind of with the energy and zeal that God requires of. That we have to be about the mission. We have to choose to love them. And that loving must express itself in sharing the good news. Take a look at what Jesus said about this. He said, you love only those people who love you. Will God reward you for this? The implied answer is no. For he says, even the tax collectors love their friends. And if you greet only your friends, what's so great about that? You don't, don't even unbelievers do that. But you must always act like your Father in heaven acts. Now you might be asking, so how is our Father in heaven act? Well, go to John 3.16. It's not on your outline, because I assume we all know it. We've all watched football games. What does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that He gave His Son. He gave his son so that we can have our sins forgiven, so that we could have a purpose for the present and we got to have a home in heaven for our future. That's how the Father acts. He gives in love. He seeks in love. And he sent Jesus in love. And so, folks, if we're going to love like God, if we're going to follow God's example, then we need to partner together to reach out to our community, to reach out to those in your life and mine who at this moment still do not have a relationship with Jesus, who at this moment, if Jesus came today, would not get to go. We need to think about that. The wonderful thing is, folks, for you and I, if Jesus came in this moment, we get to go. We get to spend eternity with Him. We get to spend eternity with Him and one another. But if Jesus came today in this moment, there are literally about 12,000, 13,000 people within a five-mile radius of this church that would miss it. They will spend eternity separated from God. And we need to love them enough to be on mission. We need to love them enough to go out and share the good news with them. So let's talk about how we could partner. And we're going to make this memorable because we're going to just spell partner with our points. So the P for partner stands for this. It stands for pray together. We need to pray together. In other words, not only individually, but corporately as a church and as our small group members, Folks, we need to pray together for the people in our lives that still do not know Jesus. The people we love, the people we care with, maybe even the people we don't like that much. We need to pray that they come to a relationship with Jesus. And here's why. Because through prayer, God opens closed minds. Through prayer, God warms cold hearts. And the reality is, and many of us have experienced this, and I've experienced that, folks, people can reject our arguments they can refute our logic, but people in your life and mine who don't know Jesus are powerless against our prayers, and here's why. Because when we pray, we partner with God to do what God wants to do. Now, let's ask the question again. So what does God want to do? Well, get, let me give you another example. We've already talked about one, but let me give you another example. This one is from no other than the apostle Peter. Peter said this, God is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. In other words, what God wants us to understand is, folks, when you and I pray together, we're partnering with God to work in people's lives, to help people come to choose Jesus, to choose a relationship with Jesus. So, folks, we need to cooperate and we need to partner together in prayer. But you may be asking yourself, so, okay, we're going to do that, Jerry. We're individually, corporately, as a small group, we're going to pray. But those of you who are very much fill-in-the-blank kind of people, but what are we to pray? 
So let me share with you what we are to pray. This is not all that we're to pray, but certainly Paul tells us specifically what to pray. He says, pray for us that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. So in other words, Paul says very clearly, we're to pray for opportunities, for open doors, for you and I to be able to share with people the great things God is doing in our lives. I didn't say kick open doors, I say for God to open doors, for us to see opportunities. And when we pray like that, I want to tell you two things happen. The first thing is God answers the prayer and we begin to see opportunities. But the second reason, the second thing that happens isn't so much sometimes that God is opening doors as much as God is opening our eyes. And we're beginning to see opportunities that have been in front of us all the time, but we've never seized them. And the reason we didn't seize them, folks, because prayer makes us aware. And the reason we don't seize them is because in that previous moments, before we really began to pray for these individuals, our hearts were not as warm as they ought to be. And so we, we really failed to appreciate where I started earlier, folks. We failed to appreciate where we were without Jesus, what our life was like, the struggles we were facing. And we take it for granted. But when we begin to pray, God warms our hearts again. He reminds us of all that he's done for us. And we see in a person's life the difference that Jesus would make in their life if, if he was part of their life. I hear people say all the time, well, you, could you imagine what she could do for Jesus if she just was a Christian? Folks, that is completely backwards. Do not say to yourself, do not say to anyone, please don't ever say that, what they could do for Jesus if they were a Christian. Instead, you need to say to yourself, could you imagine what Jesus could do for them? The difference he can make in their life if they had Jesus in their life. And so, folks, when we begin to pray together and individually for the people we care about, suddenly that insight, that insight of the difference Jesus could make in their life, in their marriage, in their family, in their relationship, in their ethics suddenly motivates us and compels us to share with them the good news. It no longer feels forced. It comes from love, from compassion. So here's what I want you to do. To get us started, and we're going to do this, we're going to have an action step for every one of these folks, I want you to reach in your bulletin and pull out the card that looks like this. On the front of it, it says, invest in invite. I want you to flip it over because on the back of it, and I hope if you've been around this church for a while, you have seen this card before. And on the back of it, where there is, is a place to write the names of three people that you feel burdened for that are part of your life, could be coworkers, could be friends, could be family members, could be neighbors, could be, I don't know who it is, but someone in this community that you have a relationship with that you know does not have a relationship with Jesus. And they're on your heart. And you care about them. And you love them. And I want to encourage you, if you don't already have one of these filled out, and I hope you do, that you take time today to fill this thing out. I want you to write the names prayerfully of three people that you care about that you want to see Jesus come into their life because you know the difference it can make in their life. Not because they're a project, not because they annoy you, but because of the difference you know that Jesus can make in their life. And then here's what I want you to do. Take this card this week and take it to your small group. And then in your small group, I want you to share the name, or if you're not comfortable with that, the initials, or even the first initial of one of the people from your list. And here's the action step for this week, folks. At this, for this first, for this P, for pray together, then I want you to make a group prayer list. I want you to share the name of one of those men, one of those women, and one of those boys, girls, whoever it is, and put it on a shared prayer list together as a group. And then I want you to commit to praying with one another for those names, not only on your personal list, but on the group prayer list. And folks, I want to tell you, if you haven't done this, and I've, this has been around now almost for six years, but I don't promise you, this works. God uses this. I've used it in two different countries, three different states, folks. I've been doing this for the last 30-some years of ministry, and I could tell you, 80% of the names, 75-80% of the names I put on these cards, I see eventually except Jesus. God uses this when we get serious about praying and making ourselves available. So I want to encourage you to take out that card, fill it, take it to your prayer list, because there is power in shared focused prayer. So that's the first step in this whole process of partnering together, the P, pray together. Let me give you the A. The A in partner stands for appeal to common interest. Appeal to common interest. Take a look at what Paul writes. He says, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him, so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. 
Now understand what Paul is telling the Corinthians. He's saying, whenever I'm trying to share the good news with someone, if at all possible, I look for common ground. I look for a way to build a bridge of friendship. And, and, and if you're familiar with the letter of Corinthians, you know that Paul said to the Corinthians, so to the Jew, I become a Jew, right? Are you familiar with that? And he said to the Gentiles, I become a Gentile. In other words, I appealed relationally, religiously, and socially. I found common ground. Now, we can do that, folks, but I want to say to you that we can just as effectively, we can use those things. But I would say you just ask yourself, so I'm a parent, are they a parent? I'm a parent of preschooler. They a parent of preschooler. I like to golf. I like to hunt. I like to shop. I like to cook. Some of those are true for me. Some are not. You ask, do they enjoy those things? I, I like to eat. Let me just go back there. You know, do, do they enjoy those things? You ask yourself, do, let me, in fact, let me give you an acronym or an acrostic that I learned 30 years ago that has served me so well when you're trying to find common ground. It is simply help. You're going, I don't know how to find a connection. I don't, I, what do I talk to about here it is, help. You ask them about home. H stands for home. Did you grow up here? Have you lived here all your life? Can you find common ground around that? E is employment. What do you do for a living? Now, unless they're, you know, selling crack cocaine, usually that's a safe question. But the reality is, what do you do for a living? Employment. L, loved ones. Do you have kids? Are you married? And then P, and this is the one where I spend a lot of time, and it's what I illustrated with you, pastimes or pleasures. When you're not working, what do you like to do? But folks, I'm telling you, I've used that for 30 years, and I can only think of one or two conversations I ever had that I couldn't get someone to share something with me. I couldn't find a place of common ground. So, for example, if you enjoy football... Then here's what I want to do about appeal to common interests. Then as a small group, you know, you come together, make this list, and, and, and really say what is the common ground. In fact, let me just back that up. Let me just give you the action sip right now. Make a list as a group of your shared common interest. Group leader, what I want you to do this week is, you know, is, a, is an icebreaker. I want you to stop, and I want you to say, now, guys, to get us going, let's just share. What do you like to do when you're not at work? Just practice using help. And then somebody, the, somebody with the gift of administration, ideally, <laughs> writes those things down, captures it. And then you ask yourself as a group, the second step is ask yourself as a group, so do we know anyone on our prayer list who might enjoy doing some of those things with us? Because they enjoy those things. So, for example, you say, hey, we like to cook out. Well, all you do then is set a time for a cookout, and then you as a group members go out and invite one or two of those people on the list to come and be a part of the cookout. And, after, and you just have fun. And then after the evening's done, you just say, hey, did you enjoy yourself? And, then, and hopefully they'll say, yes, you seem like normal people, not at all what I expected. And you say, hey, you know what, we, we do this weekly. We get together and, and we always eat, but, you know, we, we, we do some things and we look at the Bible, what God has to say about marriage and parenting, whatever that common interest is. Would you like to join us? And I promise you, nine times out of ten, they'll say yes. Or it's the same thing if you enjoy, you know, movies or football or whatever it is. Just, just pick a time, set a time, invite some of the people on your prayer list and ask them to come. And then after they're there and you've had a good time, just say, hey, did you enjoy yourself? If so, we'd really like you to be a part of our group. We, we would love to develop a friendship with you. The point is, folks, whatever you like to do, leverage it for the gospel. I had, I had a, a, we would call them bishop in, in the, my denominational background where I was growing up. We were Nazarenes. They were called district superintendent. And one of the greatest compliments I ever had from a district superintendent is he introduced me to a group of pastors. And he said, I want to introduce you to Jerry Clotch. He's led more people to Jesus through deer hunting than anyone I know. Now, I joked with him. He said, yeah, that's because, Crawford, it's amazing when you ask people, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And you're standing there with a gun. How much influence that has on them with that question. But the reality is, use what you're passionate about to connect with people, to show them you're ordinary people, regular people. You're, you're not weird, weird or wonderful. You're just an ordinary person. Leverage it for the gospel. And here's what I'm going to tell you, folks. Every one of our groups can do this. It's not hard. It just takes intentionality. We just need to be strategic about it. Well, that takes us to the R in partner, and it stands for reach out in love. Reach out in love. You know and I know people do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. 
And as someone with a gift of evangelism and a passion for evangelism, I want to tell you right up front, if you don't know this already, that is never truer than when we're trying to share the gospel with someone. That's why Paul said this, because we loved you, we were happy to share not only God's good news with you, but even our own lives. Now, here's the reason I share that verse, folks. We need to understand that God not only wants us to share the good news with people, He wants to do it, He wants us to do it in relationship. He wants us to also share our lives with them, and here's why. Because, folks, when I just kind of do this drive-by evangelism, you feel like a project. You feel like I'm somebody who thinks he's better than you, who's more moral than you, who's more spirit, whatever it is, I, you feel like a project. But when I share my life with you, you become part of my friend, circle of friends. You become a part in, of the fabric of my life. You know you're valued. You know you're important to me. You know you're loved. And I share that because that dual focus of our outreach to people is desperately needed in the Christian church today. And I don't mean the Christian church's nomination. I'm talking about you and me. Because the sad reality is, folks, more often than not, when people think of the Christian church today, they think of people who think they're better than them. Who, who think they're, they're, they call us self-righteous. See, the reality is, most people today, when they think about a Christian, know all too well what we're against. You name the hot topic today. Just flip through your mental Rolodex of the news stories. What most people think about when they think of Christian Day is what we're against instead of what we're for. Loving others in the church and in our community. That's what we're for. And so I want to encourage you to take heed, to notice Paul's words when he said this, it is not my business to judge those who are not a part of the church. Now, don't, don't misunderstand what Paul's saying there. He is not saying, if you know his letter to the Corinthians, you know he's not saying that we can't make moral judgments. That we can't differentiate between right or wrong, moral and immoral, glorifying God and dishonoring God. Paul did that throughout the letter of Corinthians. No, what Paul is saying is simply this. It's a profound, important principle, folks. We shouldn't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they're believers. Now, we hear that and we say, duh, right? But we do it all the time. We try to pass laws to expect people to act out Christian values without the power of Jesus in their life to do it. That's foolish. We can't legislate Christianity. What we need to do, what Paul is saying, folks, when we see an unbeliever acting in, in foolish, offensive, foul ways, we're not to judge them. He's saying instead we're to love them and reach out to them so that they can receive Jesus in life, so they have the power and the motivation to change. Because Paul said, it's not in your outline, Paul said, it is God who works in us to will and to do His good purposes. We cannot do that on our own. You've all heard it said, you know it's true. People have said, you know, Christianity is hard to live. It's not hard to live, it's impossible to live in our own strength and our own power and all resolve. We need the person of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life if we're going to do that. And so when we see people, unbelievers, acting in ways that don't look like believers, we shouldn't be shocked. We certainly shouldn't be judgmental. Instead, we ought to be filled with compassion and say, God, give me, pray for an opportunity. God, give me the opportunity to tell them about Jesus because I know with Jesus in their life, that would change. That attitude, that behavior would change because you will will in them to will and to do the good thing. So here's the action step. For all of us, however good or bad you might score yourself on this, ask God to give you a deeper love for people outside the church. Ask God to give you a deeper, more compassionate, more empowered love for people outside the church, for people who don't yet follow Jesus. That's the action step. The T in partner stands for tell your story. Tell your story. Here, here's what Peter writes. He said, you are God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. Now notice this, to tell others the night and day difference he has made for you. Scott said it, I'll say it again, folks. Part of what we're called to do is to share our story of the great things God has done in our lives. The difference he has made in our life. We are called by God to do that. We are commanded to do it. Folks, the reality is, I don't know how you respond to that when I say you need to share your story. I'll tell you how I respond to that. I'm energized by that, and here's why, because I don't have to write a sermon to do that. And what I mean by that specifically is, see, you know what, people like to hear stories. Do you, have you noticed that? 
People like to hear stories, personal stories. Now, they don't like to hear long stories, right? But we do like to hear personal stories. And so, folks, we need to learn how to tell our story, not in two or three hours, but in two or three minutes. We need to learn to tell our faith story, the God stories, and all of us have more than one. All of us have multiple stories we can tell about the difference God is making in our life, the great things He is doing for us, the day and night difference He has made in a marriage, in our parenting, in our finances. I don't know what it is, but we all have those stories. Right before Jesus' return back to heaven, before He ascended from the earth, fancy theological name for it, before Jesus left, He looked at His disciples and he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. And again, I like that. Because a witness does not argue a case like an attorney. A witness does not judge other people or pass judgment on people like a judge. A witness simply says, this is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. This is what I know firsthand. And folks, all of us can do that because we all have a story. We've all, I hope we've all experienced the love and the grace of God. And let me tell you the most natural way for you to get into sharing your story. It isn't to pounce. <laughs> it's to listen. What I'm going to encourage you to do is get with those, those friends, those coworkers, those neighbors and say, where can I be praying for you? Where are you struggling in life? What's been really, really difficult for you? And then I want you to listen for the problem. And as you listen to the problem, I almost promise you, you can think of a story in your life where God has helped you with that similar problem. And all you got to say at that moment is say, can I share with you the answer, the solution, the help that I found to that problem in my life? Do you feel like we can do that? All we've got to do is, can I share with you something I have learned, something I've experienced, something God has done for me? And again, we could do that, folks, because all of us, if we think and we're intentional, have dozens and dozens of stories about the difference, the day and night difference God has made in our lives. So let me give you the action step here. And I want you to write it verbatim, okay? Write out your story and share it with your group. In fact, some of you, and I say this because I love you, some of you need to write out, write out your story and then underline it. Because I know the temptation, especially for us as men, we, what we do is we go, I know my story, why do I need to write it out? Let me help you with that, folks. Here, here's what I would say to you. One of my favorite preachers and communicators, a guy by the name of John Ortberg. And I remember reading an article a number of years ago when John Ortberg says he typically takes about 20 hours a week to prepare a 30-minute message. Now this is as far as I'm concerned, one of the most gifted communicators in the world, and he says it takes him about 20 hours to prepare 30 minutes. Do the math. It's about 45 minutes or 45 minutes per minute of speaking. Now, if it takes a gifted communicator that kind of time to not just say it, but to say it well, to say it right, how long do you think it, we ought to spend on thinking through our story? It isn't that you don't know your story. What I'm trying to encourage all of us to do is to be able to tell that story effectively and efficiently and with impact. And so you need to spend time with that. So here's your assignment. You need to write out your story, take time to do that, and then over the next five weeks in your small group, I want you as leaders and as a group, if your leader doesn't do it, forgets, I want you to make time for everyone in the group to share their two or three minute story. Not the 30-minute story, not even the 15-minute story. They're two or three-minute story. And yes, it's going to take time to prepare that, to do it well. But it's worth the preparation. We're talking about people's eternities, folks. The psalmist said this, Listen, and I'll tell you what God has done for me. Listen, and I will tell you what God has done for me. Folks, what I'm trying to encourage us is we need to learn to do that too. And we need to learn to do it effectively, first with the people in our small group, and then with the people on our prayer list. Let me hurry up. I'm running out of time. The end in partner stands for nurture friendships. Nurture friendships. Paul said this, be friendly with everyone. Don't be proud and feel that you are smarter than others. Make friends with ordinary people. And just so we're all clear on the same page, we are all ordinary people. 
And if you find yourself a bit put off by that, I would encourage you maybe to think about that first statement that, about this issue of being proud. We're ordinary people, folks. Now, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you know you're familiar with the fact that Jesus did a lot, a lot of ministry around dinner parties. We might even say just around parties. And the reason why, and it's, a, it's an obvious reason, is because the people he wanted to reach with the love of God were at those parties. In fact, he did so often, the religious leaders of his day called him a glutton and a drunk. Jesus wasn't a glutton and a drunk. He was there, not for the food, he was there for the people. He was there to reach the people that he deeply cared about, and that's where they were at. And so Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And folks, the reality is a very great example of not only Jesus doing this, but teaching his disciples to do this, is when Levi, who we know is Matthew, became a follower of Jesus. Because take a look at what Luke tells us. He said, in his home, Levi, that is Matthew, gave a big dinner party for Jesus. Many fellow tax collectors and other guests were also there. And the reason Luke says, and many other tax collectors were there, because guess what? As you might know, Luke, Levi, was a tax collector. And so he just said to his co-workers, come to my house and meet Jesus. Because you know and I know no one turns down free food, right? He said, you know what, we're going to have a party, come, I want you to meet Jesus. And folks, I share that because we need to learn to throw Matthew parties. You say, what's a Matthew party? A Matthew party is simply a party with a purpose. And the purpose is, is to build relationship, bridges of friendship with people who don't know Jesus. We need to learn to cultivate relationships. So again, if you enjoy barbecuing, say, you know what, just invite some coworkers, friends, neighbors, whoever it is, over and have a cookout. And if it's football and movies, do the same thing. Making hot wings, whatever it is, invite them over and do that. What you do is not as important as that you do it. What you do is not the important thing. The important thing is to create environments where you could build bridges of friendship into people's lives so that Jesus could walk from your life to theirs. That's the purpose of a Matthew party. We need to build those bridges, but here's the sad reality. Most of us in the Christian community today don't do that. Instead, we live in one of two extremes. And the extremes are either isolation or imitation. And you pretty well figure both those out. Folks, isolation is the fact that we as Christians are so afraid and concerned about being polluted with the world that the only people we ever socialize with are other Christians. And, and, and folks, I get, I get the desire to, to be in the world and not part of the world, to not be corrupted by the world, but in that choice do we realize the very people we're avoiding are the people Jesus died for and the very cheap people Jesus himself went about seeking out to spend time with. The second extreme is the opposite extreme, and that's imitation. And so we spend time with unchurched people. We spend time with people who aren't following Jesus. And in the process, we act so much like them, talk like them, think like them, that there's no distinguishable difference between us and them. And so we're not salt and we're not light. We just leave them confused and they just said, you know, well, it doesn't look like they have any more hope about this situation than I do, so why be a Christian? The only difference they see is we occasionally go to a place called church a couple times a month. And you say, so Jerry, if, if God's goal for us is not isolation or imitation, then what is his goal? It's insulation and infiltration. Let me give you Jesus' own words on this. Jesus prayed this before returning to heaven, before being crucified. He said, I'm not asking you, talking to the Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. Now notice this, they are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. And Jesus told his disciples, you are salt of the earth. This is, this is in, in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth. But the salt, if the salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, my light, my salt, should point people to Jesus. So it isn't about imitation. It isn't about isolation. It's about insulation and infiltration. So here's the action step. Plan 
a Matthew party and invite a friend. As a group, plan a Matthew party and invite a friend. And please don't say to yourself, none of my friends would come. Because we talked about that last week. In all of us, within all of us, is a longing for belonging. And so the reality is, the truth is, the researchers would tell us that your friends and my friends are more open to receiving an invitation to a party like that, or even a church service, then quite candidly, most of us are comfortable in offering and extending it. And so my challenge to you is to extend an invitation to one of those friends, one of those people on your list, your group prayer list, your personal prayer list, and then invite them to come. Let's turn this thing around. And if you're saying to yourself, well, I don't have any unchurched friends, then I just say to you, you need to spend some time thinking about that issue of isolation and about how can I begin to infiltrate and impact my relationships for Jesus. The in, in partner stands for expect God to act. Expect God to act. Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. In other words, the principle Jesus is communicating, he was saying that to a man, and, and the principle Jesus was communicating, God works in our lives when we expect him to work, according to our faith. Tell you a quick story, a, a true story. A man approached Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the 1800s, pastor of the largest church in the world at that time. And he came up to Charles Spurgeon and he said, I, I don't understand it. When you talk about Jesus, people always respond. When I talk about Jesus, people seldom respond. What's the problem? Charles Spurgeon looked at the man and he said, well, do you expect people to come to Jesus every time you speak? And the man said, well, of course not. And Spurgeon said, that's your problem. That's your problem. Folks, I don't know how it works, but I know this for a fact. I've seen it over and over. I've seen it hundreds of times in my life. When we pray with expectant faith for people to accept Jesus, it makes it easier for them to receive Jesus. It makes it easier for them to respond. So here's the action step. Never give up on anyone. Never give up on anyone. Take a look at what the Hebrew writer says. He said, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, the reason I share that verse is for this reason. I know many, many of us have been praying for friends and family members, people we care about for years. And at this moment, we say, they don't seem any closer to accepting Jesus today than they did when I started praying. And so I want to say to you, don't give up. Instead, pray with expectant faith. In other words, pray, say, God, I don't see them any closer today than I did 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago. But I'm trusting you to be at work in the life even when I don't see anything, when nothing's apparent on the surface. Now, last week I mentioned and shared with you about four men who carried a paralyzed man. We don't know if it's a friend, family member, neighbor. We don't know. The Scripture doesn't tell us. But they carried that paralyzed man to Jesus so he could be healed. This week I want you to notice what Jesus said in response. Take a look at there in your outline. Jesus said this, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, did you catch that? Jesus said, I didn't heal the man because of the man's faith. I healed the man because of his four friends' faith. Jesus saw their faith, ripping, not only bringing the man, but when they were encountering a cow, ripping a hole in the roof and lowering him down on ropes. And when Jesus saw that, he said, guys, I see that you brought him here because you believe I can do something and I would do something. And so I'm going to do it. Here's my point, folks. God works in people's lives, other people's lives, the people we care about, the people we love. Sometimes God works in their lives because of our expectant faith in Him, not theirs. And so we need to never give up on anyone. We need to believe and continue to share our stories because God will work. Well, the last letter in partner, the R, stands for represent Jesus with our lives. Represent Jesus with our lives. Paul said this, whatever you do or say, let it be as a servant of the Lord Jesus. In other words, we are to be audiovisual Christians. We are to communicate and demonstrate who Jesus is, his love and his grace with our words and our deeds. And again, I know I'm out of time, but please indulge me, folks. I've heard so many times in the Christian community, well, I just live it before them. And I hope they get it. And I understand the sincerity there, folks, but you understand Jesus didn't even do that. Jesus felt the need. It says Jesus went from town to time proclaiming the good news. 
Now, Jesus was holiness himself. Jesus embodied the gospel himself. And if he felt compelled to share the good news that he needed to speak, not just demonstrate, but communicate, folks, we need to understand how foolish we are to buy that. We need to communicate and demonstrate with our words and our deeds. Paul, and Paul tells us how when he says this. Do all you can to live a peaceful life. Take care of your own business and do your own work. If you do, people who are not believers will respect you. Folks, hang with me just a couple more minutes. I'm almost done. We need to understand and we need to accept that God has strategically placed people in your life and mine so we can be his representatives to them. And the reason I say that is this. So for us to think that God somehow is just going to write it in the sky for them someday, I think is short-sighted because God, I could guarantee you, is probably not going to do that. And the reason why, he already has you and me in their lives to do it. He's already sent you and me to communicate the good news. So I want to challenge you to do this. Would you please do this over the next 40 days? Would you pray, God, use me? to show the people in my life that you love them who don't know that you love them. God, would you use me and the people who you've put in my life to show them and help them understand your purpose for them who don't think you have a purpose for their lives? See, I know probably every one of us in this room and watching online, probably all of us have been praying for God to work in the lives of people we care about to bring them for Jesus. Folks, here's what I want to say to you. If we would be willing to pray that prayer and mean it and live it out, I believe God can answer that prayer. In many ways, God would answer the prayer. Like I told you, I've seen that 75-80% of the people that I've put on that list when I prayed that prayer, God has used me, used someone else to bring them to Jesus. So here's the final action step. Have at least one person in your group who's still a seeker. Have one person in your group who's still asking, kicking the tires on Christianity, still trying to figure out if they're going to follow Jesus or not. And then as a group, committing to take these seven steps together. Because if you will, I promise you folks, God will use your group to reach one more person for Jesus. And could you imagine what that would be like if every one of our groups would make that commitment? There will be more than a dozen people going to heaven after the next 40 days than there are right now because we embrace that challenge. And as wonderful as that is, something I think for me as a pastor equally wonderful happened that dozens of us in this room and part of this church would be able to say for the very first time, yes, someone is going to be in heaven because of me. Because I didn't try to do it alone. But for that to happen, folks, we first must make a commitment. We must choose to truly love the people in our lives the way Jesus loves them. We must truly love them into a relationship with Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, you have given us individually and corporately a mission of sharing the good news of your love and purposes with others. Father, thank you that we don't have to do it alone. So my prayer today for us collectively is that you would give us a vision collectively for reaching out together to see you change lives in our circle of friendships and in our community. And now I want to invite you to pray. Would you pray, say, God, I realize that you have put specific people in my life that you want me to share your love and purposes with. Would you be willing to say, God, I accept that mission. I accept that mission, Lord, so help me to truly love them by taking these seven steps with my small group. Because I realize today that the people on my prayer list and our group prayer list will not probably come to know you unless we reach out to them. Help me, help us to remember no one is beyond the reach of your love. And so in expectant faith today, I ask you to help our group reach one more for Jesus over these next 40 days. And we prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> and we are in the dark, but it's okay. <laughs>
on that card this morning that you can take with you, but what one, one thing can you do? What one next step can you make? On the bottom of that great card is the 40 days of community commitment that we had last week where we said we would join a small group, we would pray, and there's several other things on there. But all the things that Pastor Jerry spoke about this morning, you can make that decision. And it's always better if we make it and put it on the card. We pray along with you guys, asking God to help you honor that commitment. And uh, my dream is we have baptism planned for that that celebration Sunday. How awesome would it be that one of the people that you uh, said you would invite to maybe come next week or be in your small group with you, how awesome would it be that they would be baptized on that Sunday because they made that decision to follow Christ? I'm not going to keep you any longer, but think about those things Take those cards home, write those names on them, share it with your group this week. You can still join a small group this week. Go see Chris out at the table if he's out there. If not, one of us will stop by and talk with you as well. But thank you so much for your attention today. I've enjoyed worshiping with you, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you.